Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side. Today's experience is in response to a listener question, which I'm going to save till afterward to uh, to read to you, just because there's more to it than just what we share in the experience. But this will be a good uh, preamble to the question and give some context for the answer to the question. So, today's experience is by Debbie on enderf.org, the near-death experience research foundation website. Debbie says, in February 2001, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. My mother, who I have always been very close to, lived, uh, but lived 60 miles away, was naturally horrified. Although she was not particularly religious, I remember her saying that she had prayed that if anyone should die, let it be her rather than me. Ironically, she was diagnosed with terminal cancer literally two months after my own diagnosis. She was told that she would that she could have chemotherapy, but that there was no chance of it curing her, so she refused treatment in the knowledge that she would die. I started receiving intensive course of radiotherapy after three operations to remove two growths in my breast and all of my lymph nodes, which were thankfully clear of cancer cells. This I completed by late September of that year. I then had another operation to remove my right fallopian tube and ovary, which had been enveloped in a large dermoid cyst the size of an orange. In hindsight, it was too soon after the radiotherapy as my immune system was severely compromised. Within a couple of weeks, my stomach wound was still not healing properly, and I developed an infection. My mother, at this, time, at this point in time, was still mobile and active and hoping to make it through till Christmas. Within the next week of November, I became very ill, feeling dreadful with a temperature, vomiting everything that I ate or drank back up. I was visited by an out-of-hours doctor who prescribes antibiotics, which I was unable to keep down. 24 hours later, I had a pulse rate of 180 to 190 and was totally red from head to toe. When my eyeballs started to roll back in my head and I was losing control of all my functions, my husband realized that he had to get to a doctor, had to get me to a doctor immediately. It was at this point that I was having an out-of-body experience. I felt as if my body was on autopilot, and I was floating above it, and totally unaware of what was happening, but not being at all concerned about it. I felt very calm and peaceful, as if nothing mattered anymore, in fact, quite euphoric. I recall being driven to a, the health center by my husband on the Friday night, and assisted into the doctor's room, where he took one look at me, listened to my heart, and immediately called the hospital to tell them to get a bed ready for me. 
From the gist of the conversation, I think they said there were no beds available, and I recall him shouting and swearing at the phone, uh, through the phone at the nurse on the other side, that I was dying and needed a bed now. I then remember him asking my husband if he could get me to the hospital quicker than an ambulance, to which he replied, yes. On arrival at the ward, they immediately tried to get an intravenous line into me, but all the veins had collapsed apart from one in my foot, which they managed to excess. Over the next day, I remember drifting in and out of consciousness while being fed a concoction of antibiotics to fight the infection in my blood. By Sunday, I seemed to be getting better, but then I took a turn for the worse in the afternoon, and they moved me to a private side room. I recall my blood pressure being taken and that they were concerned because it had dropped considerably. I then lost consciousness and was out for a couple of hours. During that time, I had a beautiful, vivid, quote-unquote, dream that I was in a beautiful, colorful gar flower garden with blue sky and sunshine standing on a gravel path and in front of me was my mother, looking about twenty years younger, as clear as day. All she said to me was, I'm okay now, and you're going to be fine. This dream was so vivid and real to me that even today, ten years later, it's as fresh and clear as it was then. I woke, up and immediate, I woke up immediately and said to my best friend who had been by my bedside that I had to find out how my mother was and as I had just had the most amazing dream about her. Little did I know that my mother had started going downhill on the Friday night, 60 miles away, and that my friend had just taken a telephone call from my brother while I was asleep to say that she had just passed away. Unfortunately, she was unable to tell me as the consultants had instructed her not to say anything in case the shock pushed me over the edge and they'd lose me too. I was finally told two days later when I was out of danger myself and found out from my, from my brothers who were with my mom when she died that they had told her that I was ill in the hospital, but being well looked after. It almost seems as if, because I couldn't come and say goodbye to her, she visited me in the hospital instead. My friend who was with me also recalls that whilst I was sleeping, before she could before she took the call, there was a warm, sunny glow in the room, although the weather was dull and cloudy outside. I have felt my mother's presence over the years, especially when driving. We always went out on trips to the garden centers and shops when we visited each other. She was a keen gardener. She knew all the Latin names for every plant and flower, which is, I think, why why I saw her in the dream. When I saw her in the dream, she was surrounded by the most colorful flower garden I had ever seen. Eight months ago, I went to see a medium who straightaway asked if I had lost my mother, as she had a lady who was sending lots of motherly love. She then told me her name was Margaret, which was my mother's name, 
and that she is surrounded by vivid colors and beautiful flowers. She told me that her job is to welcome and look after little babies and children that have passed over. The medium also said that Mum was saying that she was very sorry that she had not had a chance to sort out the books before she died and asked if that made any sense. In fact, my mother was a keen collector of books. Her house was like a library and wanted to leave her collection for us all to use and enjoy after she was gone. I had also lent her a book, the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying, to read, which she had not returned before she died, and it was still there. Unfortunately, when I called my ex-sister-in-law, my brother and her split up shortly after her death, about six months after Mum's death, to ask if I could come and go through the books and get the one I had lent her, she told me that it was impossible as she had gotten rid of the books. My mom lived in a granny annex adjoining my brother and sister-in-law's house, so I presumed that is what she meant. My mother was also proud of my artistic ability. She went to adult education classes to learn how to draw and paint when she was alive. She always wished she could paint as well as me. It made a lot of sense when the clairvoyant said she was insisting or she was insistent on letting me know that she was doing a lot of painting and watercolors and that she was showing her a bright white marble library building where she can go and read any books that has any book that has ever existed. I have to say that after my visit to the clairvoyant I felt that what she told me only confirmed my own beliefs about an afterlife and my lack of anxiety and fear concerning death. That is the end of Debbie's experience, and a beautiful experience it is. Let me share with you the uh, email that I got um, from Annette. Annette says, Hello, Chaz. My name is Annette. I've really enjoyed your podcast recently listening to the NDEs of others and your perspective on their experiences. I lost my dad three months ago to an aggressive form of cancer. He was only 60 years old. When I realized that my dad's illness was very serious and probably terminal, I began to research life after death topics. Before this, I'll be honest, I never thought much about spirituality or what happens when we die. After my dad passed, I questioned everything. I became obsessed with the afterlife. I wanted a guarantee that one day, that I will one day be reunited with my dad. My question to you is, why are mediums sometimes able to channel our loved ones in the spiritual realm? I've never been to one, but I hear they can do this. If our loved ones go to heaven, are they aware of our lives here? after they leave us. Thanks in advance, Annette. And I want to say, Annette, thank you so much for contacting me. I And, and I want to say I am so sorry, so sorry for the loss of your dad. I, I can't imagine what you must be going through. I have lost grandparents, and that was enough for me to realize that it's hard. It's hard to lose someone. And 
my parents are still alive and I love them dear, dearly. They're some of my best friends in the world and I can't imagine losing them. And so I just want to say I am so, so sorry for your loss. And to the, in answer to your question, there, you know, you ask a couple of questions there. First off, I can give you a guarantee of my own that you will one day be reunited with your dad. I have no question of that. And not just from my own religious upbringing, which does guarantee that, but also from all these studies of near-death experiences that I've done, if there's one thing that seems to come through, it is that we will see those we love again, and we will be with them again. And in fact, our experience with them there will be more fulfilling, probably, than what we experienced with them here. Here is such a limited, uh, we, we have such a limited body to be able to, you know, we have to converse with people with this clunky language that we have, and we have to, you know, assume so many things, and we can only visit on occasion, and, and you know, there's so many limitations that make it difficult to maintain a relationship with people on this, in this mortal world, and yet we do it, and we do it so beautifully, and yet when we get to the other side, all those barriers come down, all of them come down, the communication, the ability to communicate love, the ability to understand them fully, that's all going to be available there, and, uh, and so, you know, that, I, you know, let me just assure you right now, you will absolutely be with your father again. And then to the, uh, to the third question, and we'll come back to the, to the uh, medium question. If our loved ones go to heaven, are they aware of our lives here after they leave us? To my understanding from, from reading these, these, you know, hundreds, even thousands of experiences, my understanding is that yes, they are aware of our of our lives here. It's not that they're constantly watching us. Like, you know, I mean, that, that would be a little bit creepy, you know, to think about every moment of your life as being experienced by your loved ones. I, I don't think that's the case. That doesn't seem to be the case. But they are aware of us. And they do sometimes, and, and I, I take this from personal experience as well as the like I said, hundreds of experiences that I've read, they do sometimes send us little signs, little things that say, hey, I'm still here and I love you. And uh, I've talked a little bit. If you go back in the uh, podcast and read, or sorry, listen to the uh, episode called the, um, I can't remember if it's the near-death experience of Leola Jex Fresh or Leola Jex Curtis or Leola Curtis maybe it just says anyway, or if it's Leola Curtis's near death experience probably that Leola Curtis's near death experience. If you look that one up, you'll hear some of my experiences with my own grandma, who died when I was thirteen years years old, who just absolutely adored children. Uh, you know during her life, just absolutely adored them, and because of that, we were, you know, we just meant the world to her. And after she died, and she had many kinds of experiences that I call them near veil experiences, um, where she would have little hints of, of you know, either 
premonitions of things to come and so forth. And it wasn't until long after she died that I learned that she had had a near-death experience herself and possibly others previous in her younger life that uh, um, may have affected, you know, her having many of the experiences that she has because, and we'll get into this more, but after one has had a near-death experience, they seem to still have a foot in the door of the afterlife. And there seems to be information that sneaks in from the afterlife or from the other side, um, either in the form of messages from loved ones or, you know, inklings of things that are going to happen in their lives or happen in the lives of their loved ones and so forth. Um, and we call those um, kinds of gifts the after effects of a near-death experience. And so, um, you know, to my understanding, yes, they are aware of our lives. And honestly, you know, to the question that was not asked, but I, I suspect is somewhere in there implied, is there a way we can communicate with them? You know, and we'll talk again in a moment about the medium's question. Uh, but to which I would say yes. We can communicate with them. It's, it's challenging, I think, in, in terms of, you know, it, it's not like calling them on the phone and they just pick up an answer. But I think they can communicate with us and I think we can communicate with them. And I would say in terms of communicating with them, that part's easy. They hear when we address them. That's my understanding from everything that I've read, from everything I've studied. It really appears that anytime you even think, you know, consciously think of an individual who has died, they become aware of your thinking of them. I don't know how that works. I don't know, you know, I don't know the mechanics of it, but that seems to be the case. Just having thoughts about them um, brings to their attention that you are thinking about them. And um, whether or not they read exactly what those thoughts are, I don't know. But uh, I suspect that when we consciously speak to them, either in thought or out loud, I'm under, under the understanding that they absolutely do hear us. Now, as for hearing from them, you know, we can go back to the, the signs thing. Uh, many people will experience, and this is something that is common even among those without special gifts, spiritual gifts and so forth, but many people come to recognize signs from their loved ones. It can be anything from, uh, you know, from my grandma, uh, one of her signs is a rainbow, especially a sun rainbow, meaning, you know, a, 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 you know the little, little circular or little ball of rainbow uh, near the sun. That seems to be a clear sign of, of her, her presence or her, you know, just saying I love you or something. Often it's just something that's, that's just an indicator of her presence of, in, in some way. And some people have described birds or butterflies, you know, gentle animals and so forth that, uh, that show up when they're thinking about their loved one. Or maybe, you know, when, when there's some message to be received from their loved one and and that you know I I can't go into a lot of detail about how that can take place because it's going to be different for every individual but 
let me just put it this way. The best way to come to recognize signs from your loved one is to be open to the possibility. Just recognizing that they could be sending signs. I've had times when I've seen signs from my loved ones after having a dream in which I communicated with that loved one. So I'll have a dream about the person and, you know, whether there's words spoken or just a sense of love or just a, you know, I miss you or, you know, just a, just a dream of being at their house that, you know, I knew them in at the time and talking with them or, or just visiting with them, just there being a sense of love, whatever, that kind of thing. And then the next day I see a, one of the signs, one of those signs that I've come to associate with the individual. And I think, okay, that, you know, I mean, it, you've triangulated enough at that point to say, you know, I'm thinking about you, have this dream about them, and then the sign comes as if, as if to say, in case you were doubting whether or not that dream was from me, yes, it was, <laughs> kind of thing. And that's the kind of things that I've personally experienced and that many, many, many people have experienced. It doesn't seem to be something that requires any special gift to uh, get that level of communication. Okay, so let's talk about the medium thing. Okay, in this experience that we've just shared, uh, Debbie, shortly after her experience, or I'm sorry, it, it says um, eight months prior to this account that she gives, and I don't know whether her account, how soon her account was given after the experience. Um, 2001 is when the thing occurred. So this is probably years later is my gathering. She has, so she has her own experience where she sees her mom in her own near-death experience, comes back to find out that while she was going through her physical trauma, her mom died. She hadn't known that earlier and the doctors were telling her family, don't tell her about it yet. She's still very, very vulnerable to, you know, lapsing into a shock that could kill her. And, you know, she, they didn't want to scare her, but she's puzzled about it because she sees her mother on the other side. And she's like, okay, first thing she asks when she wakes up, how is mom? You know, how is my mom? And it gets a couple, it takes a couple of days to get any answers out of anybody. And before she's stable enough that, that they feel like, okay, we can tell her now. And it turns out that she had died prior to um, Debbie's death which, you know, acts as evidence of the fact of this experience. And, uh, and so this medium experience that she has, she goes to this medium just eight months prior to posting this, which would be years after the experience. She says, I went to go see a medium who straightway asked, now, I've never been to a medium myself, but my understanding is, is that part of how it usually goes is if this is an authentic you know, medium, they will often say, you know, they will often say, hello, please don't tell me anything about your loved ones. I w we want this to be authentic so that I can't just make stuff up, you know, I, and, and sometimes, you know, for the medium's sake, they may be tempted to try to come up with, 
thoughts and so forth or feelings that they might be having um, based on what is told to them. And, and so in order to keep it clean of any, uh, any, you know, contamination of their own ideas about what might be going on and so forth, they will often say, please don't tell me anything. And so when, when this uh, medium says, who straightway asked if I had lost my mother, um, it's, it sounds like that's what's kind of going on is, is she saying, you know, don't, don't give me any upfront information. Let me tell you what I'm experiencing. And I don't know how they experience it. Some people, some of them, I, I've heard some people describe it as just, you know, it's kind of like they close their eyes and they can picture someone. Um, I don't know that they're seeing them in a visual sense, but they're picturing someone. And it's like this person kind of comes to their thoughts, um, almost as if they invented the person, but the facts that are coming out of it seem to be so accurate most of the time that that um, it, it seems clear that that's what they're experiencing. And and so, you know, this seems to be what's happening here is that is that she has someone there in her mind, a lady who has just died, and she says, have you lost your mother? And, and of course, yeah, she has. And, and she says this, because this person who says that her name is Margaret, which is Debbie's mother's name, is sending a lot of motherly love, and that she's surrounded by beautiful flowers and colors, and that her job now that, that uh, Margaret's job, the mother who died, her job now is to look after the little babies and children who have passed over. And of course, this is absolutely, you know, um, uh, evidence to, uh, to Debbie of not just what she had experienced, but also of the authenticity of the experience of the medium. So the medium is giving her good information, basically. And uh, it's what she's gathering from this. And, uh, and she also says that her, her mother is saying that she's sorry that she never had a chance to sort out the books before she died. And I can imagine Debbie's going, books? Oh, well, she did collect books. Uh, she was a keen collector of books. And her house was like a library. And so she's probably like, I suppose that's what she means. And never got a chance to clean up all those books or figure out what to do with them before I died. And, uh, and she wanted to leave her collection for her family to enjoy after she was gone. Which is such a sad outcome because, uh, because you know, her sister-in-law, who had just separated from her brother, um, says, we got rid of the books, uh, you know, after she died. And so, uh, <laughs> that's kind of sad, but, but it, you know, as for the experience, it, it fits, it fits. And so are mediums real? Some of them, yes, absolutely. Are there fakes out there? Yeah, there's absolutely fakes out there too. And, uh, how do you tell the difference? Well, I don't know. I don't know. If you don't have the gift to be able to have the spiritual insight to be able to de detect, you know, what kind of spirit a person has, how can you know? Well, you kind of have to go off the evidence. And um, some people will swear by them and say, it's absolutely an amazing experience. You got to go. And 
others like me, they tend to be a little bit reserved in, in such a, an approach. Uh, and so, you know, as to whether you should or not, honestly, my answer is I don't think it would be necessary for you. It's, it's probably a great validating kind of a thing to see, oh, if, if they knew that, which they couldn't possibly have known, then clearly he's there. But if you have sufficient faith that he is there and that he, and that he can, uh, or the, and that you will see him again, then I don't think there's a necessity of going to a medium because the very definition of medium is someone who stands between, you know, stands between you and your loved one, which means they are communicating with your loved one, they're communicating with you, and it can go back and forth. You can communicate with them. Well, we're already, we can already be assured that our loved one can hear us um, on from this side, that you can already reach your loved one and the question is whether they can reach you. And if you are confident that they are there, then you are open enough to realize that they can send you messages. How they'll do that, well, that's going to be between you and them. And honestly, my own uh, encouragement for you in trying to get messages from your loved ones is to do it through God. Go to God in prayer. Pray to Him. Talk to Him about your feelings. Share with Him everything. Talk to Him and say, I would love to have some communication from my loved one. Would that be okay? Ask His permission. And honestly, when you go through that route, I think the experience will be even more powerful than what you'll get through a medium. The other reason that I'm hesitant with mediums. And, and let me say this up front too. Whenever I hear of someone who seems to have this medium ability, one of the first questions I always want to ask them is, have you had a near-death experience? Have you had some time of, of dying and then coming back and, you know, of course, first, do you remember anything? Because if they do, that strengthens it even more. If they don't, but they, you know, even if they don't remember, but they were, you know, heart stopped for five minutes when they were 10 or something because of this, or, or they drowned and then they were had to be resuscitated or something like that. But ever after that, they were interested in spiritual things, or they had this draw towards spiritual things. That's a sign that they probably had a near-death experience that they don't remember. And the reason I would ask somebody if they had a near-death experience is because from my studies of this stuff, which is admittedly limited as far as mediumship and so forth is concerned, but as far as near-death experience is concerned, I think somebody who has had a near-death experience is like 10 times more likely to have the kind of spiritual gifts and abilities uh, of communicating with the dead than would an ordinary person who has not had that. Now, there's classes and training you can do to learn mediumship. I'm not one to say that, you know, that um, people can't learn to do this, but I am one to say that I'm not sure everybody can learn to do this. I'm not sure everybody has the spiritual ability to do that in mortality here. One day you will, you know, once you die. I mean, that's <laughs> that just comes with the territory, but... Um, but while you're here, many people will not 
develop the ability to really communicate with the other side, and that's fine, because you do have the ability to communicate with God, and he's much more important anyway, um, while you're here. And when you get to the other side, you will absolutely be able to communicate with your loved one. And I make that point about whether they had a near-death experience or not, because if somebody has had a near-death experience and developed or found that they had this mediumship ability, I'm more likely to believe what they're saying. Not that, not that I think most mediums out there really genuinely, authentically believe what they are doing is, is right and accurate, but rather that somebody who has had a near-death experience and found this ability afterward, meaning that they knew what it was like not to have this ability, and now they have this ability, and it's entirely different, they can clearly tell the difference. And also, you know, with how many people who have had near-death experiences have these gifts, I'm almost inclined to go to somebody who has had a near-death experience before going to an official medium to ask them, just because of how prevalent those gifts are. So anyway, the other point that I wanted to make about uh, mediums, which, which inclines me to, you know, cut out the middleman a little bit, is that there are many spirits on this earth that are not in bodies. Either they've never been born, maybe they never will, or they, there are those who have died and have remained on the earth plane. And there are those who come back to visit for purposes, whatever, you know, to communicate with loved ones or whatever. There's, there's every different kind of spirit out there. Good, bad, strange, wonderful, beautiful, you know, I, I mean, you get every kind of spirit on the other side. And someone who is an official medium and has labeled themselves a medium and has made it known to the world, or at least to, you know, their, their community, that they are one that you can go to to communicate with the other side. It seems to me that spirits would be likely to congregate around such a person. It, well, I should say not just any spirits, but any spirits who want to communicate with this side. Anyone who wants to uh, have a connection to this side of the veil. They're likely to congregate to, uh, around someone who makes the effort to communicate with the other side. That makes sense to me. The good and the bad will probably congregate around someone like that because it's a way of reaching people. And if somebody comes to you, or if somebody comes to them saying, I'd like to do a session and whatever, and I don't remember, you know, I don't know exactly what the wording is, the jargon and so forth, but uh, but I would you know, and pays them to, or or they maybe offer their services for free, depending on what kind you have. You they go and they say, I'm 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 getting a person who looks like this and has says this and does that. One thing we learn from near death experiences, as well as you know, studying some of these kinds of experiences, is that spirits on the other side are able to take on different forms. And it is possible, and sometimes happens, that people, that a spirit will take on the form or appearance of another person in order to deceive. And usually the ones that are there to deceive don't have good motives. And, uh, but 
That's not to say that everyone who tries to make communication through a medium, for example, um, is necessarily an evil spirit trying to make connections. It could be a well-intentioned spirit who just desperately wants to make connection with this side, and they know if they hang out with the medium, as people come, they will make the effort and they can appear. And perhaps, you know, in an effort to make communication, maybe they appear as someone's loved one. And, you know, I don't know much about how the thoughts and intents are read by people on the other side, but it appears that spirits on the other side can, to some extent, recognize our thoughts and emotions. And I don't know whether that means they can read every, you know, boom, bit of our life or whatever. I, I hope that's not always the case for all of them. I don't think so. But I do know of so many experiences where people, as they cross over and they're standing over their body, they can sense the thoughts, feelings, and history of the doctors and nurses and anyone in the room or in the hospital that they choose to, you know, consider. They can see that. And if that's possible for anyone, someone on this side who is lonely, or I should say on the other side, but staying on the earth, who is lonely or, you know, trying to make connection, I can see the possibility of them uh, superimposing as your loved one. And maybe even reading enough of your thoughts and intents to be able to, you know, have, you know, something that would sound like evidence of their reality um, and, and saying something that would communicate to the medium and the medium communicates, you know, I'm getting something about bubbles or something, you know, and the person says, oh, we used to love doing bubbles together and we'd play these games with bubbles and, you know, she used to call me bubbles or something like that, you know. That's enough information that if someone is able to read thoughts, you could maybe gather that and use that. So does that mean that the medium is not communicating with the other side? Well, definitely they are, but they may be communicating with someone who is trying to stand in for them. I don't think that happens often. I don't know. Like I said, I've not been to a medium, and I, but from the experiences that I hear, I think, you know, but that could, that could be anybody that knew enough about the person if they were just, you know, someone on the other side uh, to, you know, cause some confusion. And, and honestly, I think some people describe, you know, past life regressions. I have no reason to think that spirits wouldn't come to a regressionist. Um, and when somebody comes to see their past lives, this person shows them their life as they lived it when they were on earth in order to make a connection, to be remembered. I mean, who doesn't want to be remembered? Who doesn't want to have some kind of legacy, even if it's, you know, in a in a way that comes across as misunderstood as being their own life previously, when really it's this lonely spirit's life that was shared, or something to that effect. You know, I mean, there's so many possibilities that way. That's among the reasons why I tend to encourage people to cut out the middleman. You know, you don't need to go to a medium. Go to God. And if if it feels right, then try communicating with your loved one. You know, you don't have to do it through prayer, of course. You, you I, In fact, I don't think you should. I think you should pray to God and then speak 
to the individual if you feel like it's appropriate. And then listen for signs, listen for thoughts, meditate and see if you get any feelings of messages, you know, and then write those down and, you know, be willing to consider that you may be misunderstanding or you may be your thoughts and so forth, but it, the evidence can stack up and, and, uh, and so forth. And if you do this gently enough and seek it appropriately, then there's no reason you can't get messages from the other side. So anyway, that's my own thoughts on mediumship and, and, uh, communicating with the other side. Um, Thank you so much, Annette, for your message. It's it's a beautiful message. And again, I am so sorry for your loss. But I can assure you, you will be reunited with your dad again someday. And it's going to be a beautiful, wonderful, wonderful reunion. Just stay strong while you're here because you have work to do. You have much to accomplish. And when the time comes, what a joy it's going to be to be reunited with your dad. So anyway, to anyone who would like to see our pa- or listen to past episodes, uh, even long past episodes, we've we're somewhere around 200 episodes and so probably more than that by now, and all of those episodes are available on the website neardeathexperiencepodcast.org and if you would also like to ask a question or share a comment or or even share your own experience, you can do that by emailing neardeathexperiencepodcast at gmail.com or by calling 970-NDE-CAST where you'll have the opportunity to leave a three-minute message. After that three minutes, it cuts you off, but then call right back if you're not done in that time and um, continue your message. I can easily piece it together for the podcast. If you'd like to contribute to the podcast, you can do so by either purchasing my book, Life in the Spirit World, or by going to patreon.com slash ndecast and becoming an ongoing monthly contributor. And I'll say that if you do, not only will you get an additional episode per week, but you will have access to a free ebook copy of my book. So with that, thank you all of you again so much for listening.